On today's episode of Locked On Spartans, no Matt Sheehan for you. I'm sorry, it's just me, your old friend, Will Hunter. Uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about Rutgers and their depth chart. Just a, a few quick hits on that. Some interesting notes that have come out of that. And of course, uh, Luke Fulton and Charles Willekes get suspended for Michigan State. I'll talk just briefly about the impact uh, of their suspension on the uh, the linebacker depth chart. And then we will get into our special teams breakdown and finally be joined by Nicole Arbach of The Athletic and Big Ten Network. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Spartans. It is Tuesday, October 20th. The year is 2020. I'm your host, Will Hunter, riding solo today. Yes, uh, my wonderful co-host, Matt Sheehan, is, depending on what time you listen to this, either about to become a father or has just recently become a father. We are so happy and proud of him and... uh, knowing that he has contributed very little to this and his wife is a a true trooper and really just to be married to that guy uh, takes a lot. But to go through the the process of having a baby, shout out to the lovely Mrs. Sheehan, shout out to Matt, and shout out to either just arriving or soon to arrive baby Sheehan, super fired up for the entire growing Sheehan family, and hopefully Matt will be back with us very soon on the podcast. On today's show, we've got content. Yes, we are going to talk about Rutgers' depth chart. Yes, we got a depth chart, but it's not Michigan State. It's a couple interesting notes. It won't be too much on this. A little bit of a a jamboree here in the first segment. Uh, A couple important, interesting notes with Rutgers' depth chart. And then I want to talk real quick about Luke Fulton and Charles Willekes getting suspended, or or being suspended, uh, we should say, because they've been suspended for uh, more than a month uh, after an arrest early September. And then we will dive into the special teams breakdown for segment two. And then segment three, Matt will actually be here in voice only. Uh, He interviewed Nicole Auerbach, who is covering uh, the Big Ten with the Big Ten Network this season again. And she also writes uh, about college football in the Big Ten for The Athletic as well, a college football reporter. Nicole joined Matt uh, a couple of days ago to break down Michigan State and the Big Ten as a whole. So I'm going to play that for you uh, for segment three on today's show. So that's the plan. Reminder to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. You can find Locked On Spartans wherever you get your podcast. We do this every single day, five days a week. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's get into the Rutgers depth chart. You might be saying, like, well, this is a Michigan State podcast. Yeah, I get it. They're playing Rutgers. What's the big deal? Why are we talking about Rutgers depth chart? So there's a a few interesting things to take from it uh, that I think are of note going into this game this weekend. The first thing is at quarterback. Um, They're facing a similar-ish situation uh, to Michigan State at the QB position, where they don't exactly have a, a starter locked in right now. Uh, Archer, I love Archer Sitowski, uh, is the returning guy who played the most for them last year. 
and would have probably been the presumptive starter, but uh, Greg Schiano brought in a ton of transfers this year. Uh, one of them was Noah Vidral, who uh, transferred in from Nebraska and Sitowski and Vidral are, are listed as ORs on the depth chart. We all at Michigan State are very familiar with ORs uh, on the depth chart for quarterback. Who could forget the four OR year or three ORs, four guys, four OR starters? Uh, so we've got Sitowski or Vidral uh, starting at quarterback, playing at quarterback. Maybe they split time. You know, uh, I mean, Vidral didn't play a ton. At Nebraska, was jumped over by uh, Martinez there and then decided to move on and transfer to Rutgers. So, not that either one is, is a guy you're super worried about. Uh, Sitkowski, you know, had some, I don't know, he seems like he could be okay, but it's so hard to evaluate uh, players, quarterbacks, especially at Rutgers, because the supporting cast has been just so tough the last few years. But that's just a, as a baseline a little bit of uncertainty at quarterback like Michigan State going into this game. And, you know, it's Monday night here as a record list. Maybe there will be a depth chart released on Tuesday, and maybe they'll announce a starter at quarterback on Tuesday. Mel Tucker's meeting with the media. Maybe he already did by the time you listen to this. So maybe there's some more clarity in the position, but I think we're going to see Rutgers and Michigan State in similar scenarios from the QB position just going into this game. We might see two for Rutgers. We might see two or three for Michigan State. Otherwise, uh, some interesting things to note are the transfers. So Rutgers, uh, like I mentioned, Shano brought in a ton of transfers, which is a nice sort of way, not nice, but like a smart way. It's it's mean. It's not nice. It's mean because you're just telling a lot of the scholarship guys that you have there, you're not good enough. And when you win like three games over a two-year span, yeah, Probably not good up, uh, good enough. So, Shano brings in a bunch of transfers to try to sort of bridge the gap between what he inherited and the recruiting classes that he's bringing in, which are certainly a, a notch above and you know feature what seems to be a handful of like, hey, these guys can actually be quality Big Ten starters. So, to get to them, to get to those new players, you got to bring in some transfers. Um, we got Giovanni Haskins uh, at tight end is listed as the starter. He uh, played at Miami. I don't think he really played, but he was at Miami uh, in Florida for a while. Played at West Virginia. So was a starter there a little bit. 20 career catches at West Virginia. So not super productive. And um, it was a graduate transfer. So no surprise there that he's immediately eligible. Aaron Cruikshank uh, is maybe the most interesting one. Uh, Cruikshank was a receiver from Wisconsin who transferred over to uh, to Rutgers for more playing time. I was looking it up, and I think he only had like four career catches at Wisconsin. But if you remember the Rose Bowl last year, uh, he's the dude that took that huge kick return to the house for Wisconsin and, and had a, a couple of other really big dynamic returns. I think he's got two career, had two career kickoff return touchdowns at Wisconsin and a rushing touchdown. So Obviously, a really dynamic athlete, just never got on the field as a receiver. He's certainly going to be seeing a lot more playing time for Rutgers, and he's someone to sort of keep an eye on uh, this game for sure. Uh, other guys, uh, they've got a trio on the defensive line, Malik Barrow, Michael Dwumfor, and Mayan Ahanatu. I, I'm just struggling with those names. Uh, Barrow was a grad transfer, so is Dwumfor. Uh, Dwumfor played at Michigan and played a little bit, um, was kind of a primary backup defensive tackle, and is actually the only defensive tackle uh, on Rutgers 
this was pointed out to me by uh, Verbose Dutch on Twitter. Uh, they have one starting or one defensive tackle, actually, I should say, on the front four. One guy in the front four uh, who's above 274 pounds, and that's one four. Everyone else is, you know, 265, 265, 241, 248. Uh, 270, 254, 274. Like, it's not a big group. So that's something noteworthy from the depth chart as well. But 214 uh, is certainly going to be a step above from the type of player uh, that Rutgers was using there. And we got to remember, as my phone alarm goes off, like, these guys that have transferred in there, like, they didn't transfer because uh, they were doing so well at the other place, right? 214 was kind of in a jam and getting passed over by younger guys. Uh, Ahanatu, Ahanatu was at Minnesota, couldn't find uh, a ton of playing time there as well. They've got um, a couple other transfers that aren't going to be, it looks like aren't on the depth chart, so are going to be playing. Uh, Aaron Lewis was another Michigan guy, Ireland Burke from Boston College. You don't necessarily have to worry about that. Uh, last one here, uh, Brandon White uh, was a starter uh, at safety Ohio in Ohio State uh, two years ago, and I think it was actually I was reading was the defensive player of the game for the the 2019 Big Ten championship game. Um, so he started at OSU two years ago, got jumped in the depth chart because OSU tends to have guys that uh, that sort of stuff happens to when a five star kid comes in and you're like oh crap he's a pro he's a first round pick we got to get him on the field and then you lose playing time and you end up transferring so. Brendan White is a guy at safety for them. So it does look like Rutgers got a handful of their transfers eligible uh, for this season. Cruikshank probably being the one that was the most questionable, being an undergraduate guy. Um, I read that he was returning closer to home, and that kind of played into his waiver status. So that's certainly good news for them. It's not, I don't know, like horrifying, right? We knew some of these guys would be eligible there are a handful of other ones, like I mentioned, that aren't eligible, uh, which would have certainly helped Rutgers out in this one. So it's not all bad, but, you know, a little bit more firepower for Rutgers that we were kind of like, eh, we'll see if they've got it. Uh, but it looks like they will have some of that firepower from the transfers earlier than expected. Uh, real quick here, Luke Fulton, Charles Willick has suspended. We don't have a ton of details yet. It sounds kind of vaguely like it happened uh, like a, an altercation at a fraternity house. Sounds like a fight. Based on what I've been reading, it sounds like uh, Luke Fulton and Charles Willick has gotten into a fight at a fraternity house. We don't have many details other than that. Uh, we don't have anything on Willickus because his records are sealed. Fulton's uh, was aggravated assault that is now down to uh, misdemeanor assault and battery. There was... Um, Word that, you know, it wasn't an overly serious, like nobody was like great bodily harm or anything like that. Um, like he just kind of, it sounds like he kind of beat somebody up and got arrested for it. And they're hoping to uh, kind of get it sealed and have it something where it can be off his record in a few years, uh, so long as he has good behavior. It doesn't sound like uh, anything terrible. You know, you certainly don't want football players getting into fights. Um but, you know, misdemeanor assault and battery, while I don't condone it, like he's going to be suspended for a little while. That seems like adequate punishment enough, as long as the person that uh, was a victim of that wasn't over, like hurt too bad, which by the uh, the reporting that I read today, it didn't seem like it was someone who was um, very seriously injured. So that's good. So, yeah, the, Fulton's going to be out. Wilk is going to be out. 
you know, in terms of football stuff, who knows when they'll be back. It may be something where they get suspended for the season. And whatever the suspension is, I'm fine with it, honestly. Like, if you have freshmen getting into fights with just regular students for whatever reason, and you're Mel Tucker and you're like, yeah, we're not going to do that here. I'm cool, kind of, you know, lay down the law, man. Like, suspended for the season, suspended for the first four games, six games, whatever it is. Uh, whatever you got to do there. But Fulton was, uh, like we talked about yesterday, expected to be a, a contributor and the two deep, not going to play a ton. Um, you know, backup middle linebacker, I guess, would be the, the way that I th- you would most think uh, he would get on the field, you know, subbing in for Noah Harvey, maybe in and sub packages. He was a really well thought of recruit, uh, but not someone that, we thought was going to be one of the top three or even four linebackers, maybe the fifth linebacker. And then Willikus, a former walk-on, which I guess anything you get from him would be, uh, despite his last name, uh, completely unexpected. And if you get it great, I don't think he was going to be contributing this season. It's honestly like the bigger thing is like, why are you guys fighting with, I get it. Whatever it happens, you're young college. Maybe you were drunk. Maybe you were, having guys talk crap to you, whatever it is. Like, come on, let's let's be a little bit smarter than that, maybe. Uh, that's the bigger thing here because I don't think either guy was going to be, you know, majorly contributing to the football team this fall. All right, let's pause here. When we get back, we'll do some special teams breakdown. I went too long on that. My apologies. Um, but we'll do some special teams work here in a second. But first, a word from rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules, brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You wouldn't. That doesn't make sense. Don't do that. Instead, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your cars, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. And today's episode is also brought to you by Coors Light. Oh, I'm so glad we've got Coors as a sponsor. Uh, absolutely fantastic. In this day and age, guys, do you ever feel like you always got to be on? Like you're just busy nonstop. There's always so much going. I know Matt and I always feel like that. I like we're just checking Twitter. Matt was on Twitter. He's in the hospital checking Twitter while soothing his wife who is like going through not going through the childbirth, but like the process of like, yeah, we just got to the hospital and we're going to start <laughs> the early part. Like, man, you got too much going on in your life. And sometimes we all feel like we've got too much going on in our life. But every now and then it's important to stop and reset. That is when you reach for a Coors Light. It is mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And I know for me, I'm looking forward to this Saturday you know, we got Monday, we're done with Monday. Today's Tuesday, we got to get through Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we got a work week, five days out, four days out, whatever the math is, it doesn't even matter. When we get to Saturday, and when the ball is teed up 
on the Michigan State turf, and we've got the Spartans on one side, and we've got Rutgers on the other side, and toe meets leather, and we're all on the couch watching BTN at noon for the bigger noon kickoff. It's time to chill, and I will have a Coors Light right by my side, and you should too. It is the perfect college football watching beer. They are easy to drink. They are refreshing. Mountain cold refreshment. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. You can't do any better than that. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, uh, special teams time. It's time to get special, 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 special. Clap, clap your hands, special, special, sorry. Uh, Okay, so a few things uh, noteworthy in the special teams group this season. I guess kicking is where we should start. Field goal kicking, yeah, that's okay. Matt Coughlin struggled last year. That is not a surprise uh, his field goal percentage plummeted from 81.8% all the way down to 68.8% his junior season, uh, was just below a shade below 79% as a freshman, 82% as a sophomore, and then, you know, just a very not nice 69% as a junior. So I think the pressure is a little bit there still. I know there were some rough stretches early and then he kind of rebounded a little bit, uh, made some kicks. You know, Matt's never really had the leg to make big long kicks, but went, uh, here we go. Yeah, so 0 for 3 against Arizona State, 1 for 2, 2 for 3, 1 for 2, 0 for 1. Then finished the season uh, just missing three total kicks in the last five games. So did okay there in, in, in the back end. Was kind of right around 80%. You'll take it. Uh, it was an improvement certainly from the middle stretch of the season. <laughs> like I'm just looking at his game log. 0%, 50%, 66.7, 50, Like it was like a mountain of crap. It started at zero, went up to 66.7, and it dropped back to zero. And then he sort of found his form. Uh, again, so that's certainly the spot uh, we're going to be watching. I would assume that he's going to get uh, the first crack at kicking. He is a senior. His competition, like last year, there just wasn't competition. He's now got competition in Jack Olson, who is a true freshman uh, scholarship place kicker, uh, was the number four kicker in the class of 2020. One, obviously one of the best kickers in the country, so that's, you know, kicking recruiting is is a, a crazy world, and who who knows? Honestly, who the hell knows what you're going to get from a true freshman kicker? It's, I guess it's nice that he doesn't have to kick in front of uh, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90,000 fans. That's usually a big adjustment for a, a college kicker, um, but he'll have to do that this year, so who knows? Uh, I would assume Coughlin's going to win the job, but maybe Jack Olson gets it. You know, you look for Coglin to sort of rebound, continue that rebound that he finished the, the season with last five games. Not great, 
but certainly a, an improvement from the middle five games of the season, middle six games of the season, where he really, really struggled uh, and could kind of rebound into the Matt Coughlin of old, where you know he's going to make all the extra points. Anything like 40 and in, you feel really good about. And then once you get over 40, it's like, yeah, flip a coin, we'll see, right? Not the big leg, but make up for it with consistent accuracy, like short to mid-range. That's what you sort of look for for him to to rebound. And I think that's probably the best option moving forward this season, unless Jack Olson comes in. It's like, oh, yeah, this dude's this dude's the kicker. Like, he <laughs> don't care that he's a true freshman, don't care that the guy that he's replacing is a redshirt senior. This guy's our kicker. He He's really talented, and he needs to kick the football for us. So we'll see. Uh, like we said, haven't had any depth chart, haven't heard any indications about anything as it regards to kicker, but those are the two names to really keep an eye out for. The other spot uh, that there's some intrigue in is punting. Yeah, punting. Uh, Michigan State lost Jack Bomeister, uh, who was going to be a redshirt freshman this season, came over from Australia, part of the pro kick uh, development group there. Uh, just it, it didn't work out for him for whatever reason. I think there was... Uh, he had told some media, like, yeah, he just wasn't ready to be that far away from home yet. Understandable, <laughs> you know, moving half a world away uh, from Australia to East Lansing, Michigan. It's a pretty big change. Uh, but I think he is actually in the transfer portal and looking to get back into college football. But that uh, that stuff can happen. And so Michigan State, Jake Hartbarger is gone. You're left without a scholarship punter. For the year, or so the the new staff brought in Mitchell Crawford, who is an Australian punter, uh, transfer from UTEP, graduate transfer from UTEP. Um, Crawford, hmm, how can I say this? Statistically unimpressive. Uh, he kicked for two years at UTEP, seventy three punts in twenty eighteen and sixty one punts in twenty nineteen. Reminder, like UTEP, we gotta we gotta. Keep the UTEP context in here. Uh, 39.8 average in 2018 and 39.6 in 2019. That 39.6 was good for 106th in the country uh, out of 124 qualified punters. Just so you have the reference point, Jake Hartbarger was 43rd in the country with 43.2 punts. So, Maybe not the biggest leg again, though. When you have uh, a return average, you need to factor in returns as well. And, you know, UTEP, not necessarily uh, known for their quality of play. They went 1-11 last year and gave up 36 points per game. Um, I think it's fair to think their special teams might not have been all that outstanding. So maybe the coverage units weren't uh, the best for Mitchell Crawford and maybe being at Michigan State with some guys who can actually cover kicks will help bump that average up to 41, you know, 40-ish, 41, somewhere in there. Uh, and then you're looking at kind of a mid-tier punter who's a, a, a nice bridge to whatever punter, uh, I shouldn't say whatever punter, Michigan State has a punter committed. I just don't know the name off uh, his name off the top of my head. I'm going to look it up right now. Mark Vassett, that's his name. Got it. Mark Vassett. So 
Yeah, you're you're kind of looking at a bridge year for punting, bringing in a, a true freshman punter uh, next season. So you know, I think with a little bit of coverage help, Crawford could do a fine job. The last thing we don't need to talk about long snapping. Jude Pedroza did a good job and is still going to be the guy there. Uh, and I don't think it's going to take much time, but returns. Jaden Reed is going to bring a different element to the return game than Michigan State has had in a long time. R.J. Shelton was the last like seemingly competent punt returner, and before that, uh, Keyshawn Martin was the, the last time Michigan State had a guy with uh, touchdown ability, breakaway return ability for punt and kick returns, and I think that uh, I, it's back. I, I feel great about Jaden Reed being back there for punts. He took a couple kicks to the house for Western Michigan. He seems to have that uh, skill in his game. And, you know, behind him, Speedy Naylor is another guy who could return punts and kicks. We know about his ability in the open field. Um, Anthony Williams Jr. returned some kicks as well. And then another name to kind of keep an eye out for is a maybe is Angelo Gross. Uh, true freshman was a really good punt returner uh, in high school next year. And if he, you know, even if he's not the guy this year, next year, like someday in his career, he may be back there returning quick uh, kicks. He's a really quick, dynamic athlete, uh, played both sides of the ball in high school and, you know, scored a lot of touchdowns and did a really great job as a returner and, you know, could be someone in line for future return duties. But I think between Jaden Reed, Speedy Naylor, Anthony Williams Jr., you know, maybe a, a guy like Jordan Simmons, a true freshman running back who has some breakaway speed, gets in there as well. And Gross, I think you, you got to feel pretty good about this group, uh, especially the, the two guys at the top, being able to do a really good job and bring a different element to the return game that Michigan State has been severely lacking any sort of explosiveness in uh, to this team. And, and, you know, that is certainly a positive development. Michigan State... I think has a chance to have a pretty good special teams unit and one that uh, certainly will be able to cover kicks, one that will be able to return kicks as well. If that field goal kicking can kind of get squared away and Coglin can find his form, it could be a pretty solid special teams unit. All right, we're going to pause here for one quick minute, and then when we come back, it'll be Matt Sheehan with Nicole Arbach of the Big Ten Network, and The Athletic. But first, a word from our wonderful friends at Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel back on board with us. They make incredibly comfortable, officially licensed collegiate apparel. They go through like old programs and yearbooks. They talk to alums, and they find these really cool logos that uh, haven't been used in a long time, like these vintage, really cool things. And they make T-shirts and sweatshirts and other types of shirts out of them, they are absolutely fantastic. They launched their Michigan State line at the beginning of August, and it is fantastic. If you haven't seen it yet, you need to go to homefieldapparel.com to check it out. And it's not just Michigan State. They've got so many schools. Like You're, you're going to go on there, just click a random school, and you'll find a shirt that you're like, I didn't know I needed this pit shirt, but now I have to buy it. I had no idea that I needed a Colorado State or Colorado University of the Mines. Was it School of the Mines? CSU Mines, whatever it is. A slippery rock. They've got an incredible slippery rock here. You'll be like, oh, I guess I'm gonna buy this slippery rock hoodie. I had no idea I needed it, but I need this. And they have a bunch of Michigan schools as well: Central Michigan, Eastern, Western, Northern, Grand Valley, Fair State, Wayne State, UDM, and Hope. No U of M, though. We appreciate. That, and like I said, they just dropped that vintage Michigan State line on 
uh, August 1st. So go check that out, homefieldapparel.com. And right now you can get 20% off your first purchase of Home Field Apparel gear at homefieldapparel.com with promo code ONSPARTANS. One more time, 20% off your first purchase of Home Field Apparel gear at homefieldapparel.com with promo code ONSPARTANS. All right, we are super pumped to be joined by college football writer for The Athletic, Big Ten Network analyst. She's been on Sirius XM and even CNN this week. And now, somehow, I don't know how this happened, but now Locked on Spartans. Nicole Auerbach. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing on this Friday? I'm hanging in there. Uh, happy to happy to join and, and talk some football. Speaking of hanging in there, it seems like college football as a whole is just kind of hanging in there as well. Just point blank, how surprised are you that the Big Ten is going to be playing this season, knowing what we know has happened over the last few months? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a surprise. I, I think, you know, um, you know, when everyone else, you know, decided to play and have played through disruptions, as we're seeing, even in the SEC this week, I mean, these were pieces of the puzzle that, you know, we weren't necessarily sure how it was going to shake out, right? Like, you know, you could say there's going to be disruptions and postponements and, you know, head coaches that contract COVID and have to miss games. But then, like, when you see it play out, it's still a little bit different. And, you know, it still certainly matters that there are thousands of cases on college campuses, right? Like, those were things that we thought could give people pause or, or have sure. them, you know, not want to move forward. And they, and they did anyway, right? So, um, I, I feel like when that when that was happening, um, you know, in SEC, ACC, Big Twelve, you know, that that certainly applied pressure to the leagues that have that had postponed to spring at that point. Um, so I, I don't know if it's necessarily a surprise, but uh, you know, just understanding how, as you know, you know, the dynamics in college sports, and you know, this person's doing something, why can't I? Um, sure. Plus, coupled with you know, obviously, actual advances in testing. You know, I, I, it wasn't um, the most shocking thing in the world that, that you saw timelines accelerate. Right on. And just to get into a little MSU talk right now. So us on the show, we have dubbed this year zero for Mel Tucker. So obviously he was brought in in February, only had a few weeks with players and pads. He was shut down most mm-hmm. of the summer. Is calling this year zero for Tucker reasonable or is this just our coward's way out of looking at this season, basically? <laughs> No, I, I actually think it's a great idea. Love it. All right, um, and, there we and, go. And, yep, yeah, totally good. Um, I actually think other coaches that are technically in year one should probably steal that. Um, mm-hmm. Because because to your point, I mean, it was just the weirdest offseason of our lives. Yep. And he got the job late. And then, you know, you're not physically in person with your players for months. I mean, you know, these these coaches are so used to – having access to their guys the entire off season, right? Like, and even if it's not direct, they know they're in the weight room, you know, they have, you know, watchful eye and, you know, these coaches had to get rid of that control and just even their knowledge of, of what everyone was doing. You can tell them here's a workout plan for home, but you know, it's not going to be the same as, as right. getting in the weight room. Um, and, and, you know, I think that Mel, Mel seems to be a really good communicator um, you know, he, he definitely, uh, you know, utilize Zoom and, and what you have, right, at your disposal. Um, but absolutely, it's behind what you would normally be. It, it's also, you know, it would have been behind anyway just because normal coaching changes happen in December, right? So, like, it was just, it was just such an unusual position. Um, so, yeah, I think you've obviously got to, you know, extend that grace period. Um, and I think like, even the fan base, you're still getting to know your new head coach. 
Love it. Love that you signed off on that. All right. So now we could use it uh, moving forward with no hesitation. <laughs> Perfect. <Yes. laughs> All right. And just like I was saying, so we're recording on Friday right now. We got some good vibes going heading into the weekend. Let's just keep the good vibes going. What's one thing that should excite MSU fans about the season or like a point of optimism or what, what makes green and white fans smile about this upcoming season? Um, well, again, like I, I really, you know, from, from other folks around the industry, like people really like Mel Tucker, right? And, and I think that you, you had, you, you've seen reasons why you should, right? Like, I mean, I, I think he handled, you know, just the, the racial injustice and, and all the unrest in the country really well, right? Like he was doing town halls and he was making sure that his players felt supported. Um, and so, so to me, I, I think you start there and just the way that the program is evolving. And, and listen, I've, I've, I, I went to Michigan, you know, don't have to turn off the podcast now, but all right, and we're um, going to wrap it up right now. No, just <laughs> but like, so I, I know a lot of Michigan state grads and, and mm-hmm. listen, I know the frustrations that the, you know, it, the, the, it was the same staff. It was stale. It was the same old every single year, right? Like it, this is a breath of fresh air. This is modernizing things. This is the head coach who wants to engage, you know, and do Instagram lives and all these different things and be right. in spaces um, you know, my colleague Colton Pouncey did a great story on like the virtual recruiting visits and how they're doing that, right? Like all of these things that you really need to do in 2020, especially in a weird year. Um, you know, and, and again, Colton did a great job kind of profiling the whole staff. So I think there's just a lot of excitement there. So again, it's like, you know, we can talk, you know, about, you know, positions and, you know, who's going to win certain jobs. But I think you really like, again, in a year zero, which I'm now feeling, um, it, it's really about the foundation, right? So it's about who he hired as assistant coaches um, and, and what they can do. Because, you know, I mean, it, it, again, we, we saw this in other leagues. I think we're going to probably see it in the Big Ten. Like there was some sloppy play early, right? Like people mm-hmm. didn't quite install, um, you know, all their defensive, um, you know, their, their defensive schemes. You know, the offenses, um, you know, the simpler ones were a little bit easier to grasp coming out of the gate, right? But like, so you're, you're going to have some of those growing pains no matter who's at quarterback, no matter who's playing for Michigan State. Um, but I think you've got to just, like, have faith in the foundation um, and, and the people in the program. And like I said, I mean, I just think they've been really proactive, um, you know, in recruiting. And, you know, obviously, you know, we make fun of Colton's tweets about, like, the height of everyone right. that Mel is recruiting, right? But, like, clearly there is an athlete. There is a mold. There is a, a you know – when, you, when you're recruiting in the Big Ten, you have to figure that out, right? Mark D'Antonio and then the best Michigan State teams were those under-recruited guys, you know, developing a two- or three-star guy into, like, a five-star player, right? And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it, it, you, you're seeing the philosophy and the way that this staff is recruiting, what they're looking for. Um, I just did a feature on, on Indiana football. And, you know, it's, it's when you're in these positions where you're not always going to, or, you know, an Indiana position, ever going to, like, out-recruit in Ohio State, on any player, you know, you, you're looking at the development pieces. You're looking at the strength and conditioning program. Um, and again, like what type of athlete you're starting with and, and, and the body type and the positions and, you know, really what you're emphasizing. So anyway, to me, like, you know, I, we, you know, again, like the, the X's and O's, the on-field stuff will happen. It might be sloppy. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see how different positional things shake out for MSU. But I just think, you know, from everything I've heard and read and talked to Colton about, about the staff and the foundation seems very solid. 
that's good enough for me to get fired up about the season. I mean, that that, that works. <laughs> it, just well, switch- like you said, I mean, if you're not gonna like, if it's if you're looking at it as like year zero, like it's not like oh, right. we need to win X amount of games, right? Like you're looking for kind of that ambiguous growth. Almost like a nine-game preseason, if if you will, which is I feel like a healthy way of looking at the season. I know I won't actually end up looking at it. I'll be upset with every <laughs> loss, like the crazy fan yes. that I am. But uh, but yeah, like right now heading into the season, I feel like that's the right mentality to be in, no doubt. Well, um, and, and hey, at least at least at least Michigan State isn't getting out here and complaining about their schedule every chance they get. Like Nebraska, yeah, that's doing weird, right? I mean, that's <laughs> tremendously strange to not look at a game as if it's an opportunity, but instead just kind of cry about Complain. it like okay all right yes. that's not just weird to, okay well, okay it's not it's not just weird to you and also like do they want to join the east like do do you, do you exactly play right these teams every year like, exactly. i thought that was part of the complaint that they join the league and they don't get to play the marquee teams all the time it's hard to keep up that's an aside kind of to go along with that <laughs> So you do obviously a lot of work for the Big Ten Network as a whole. You cover the whole Big Ten. Who is the best fan base to interact with? Is there one that just sticks out a little more than the rest for for whatever reason you have? Um, well, I think that, you know, like the the blue blood types, you know, the Michigan. I mean, again, as a Michigan grad, Michigan fans are terrible, right? Like they're just, <laughs> right. You know, they're, they're they're a lot. You're never happy. There's the arrogance. All the, all the you know, cliches are there. Ohio mm-hmm. State fans. They're also terrible. Um, sure. You know, they have crazy high expectations. They were the ones who were most upset about, you know, not potentially having a fall season. Nebraska fans expect to be treated um, kind of like it's 1998, right? Like yes. they expect that their program is is one of like the top five programs in the country, and they're not there right now. And they, but they still expect that. Um, mm. Honestly, again, like I just did this Indiana feature. And I cannot tell you how delightful Indiana football fans are because, and I think it's because, you know, obviously like I think the diehard Indiana basketball fans are, you know, like Michigan, like Ohio state fans, right? Like they're Mm going to never be happy, but the football fans have never really had success. And Tom Allen is this super likable, normal guy and they just love him. And the whole like nine win Indiana thing, like I wrote about that and it's just this delightful concept that like, the craziest thing they could think of was winning nine games and they almost <laughs> did it. And it was just like, they had like the best season. It was just so much fun for them. And I'm like, that is like, that's fandom. Like, that is a great, and, mm-hmm. and one of the, one of the fans I talked to, you know, put it this way. It's like, not everyone's going to win championships. So you have to figure out what is fun for you and as a fan and for like your fan base. And for them, like that was fun for them. And that's rewarding. And they are like all in. And I feel like that's such a healthy, healthy and perspective. So I will have to say Indiana football. They are my favorite. That's a good answer with great reasoning. A hundred percent. Just the healthy outlook of life of looking at nine wins as as a banner season. (laughs) I love that about them. Um, I want to bounce an epiphany I had uh, the other week on you and, and see your thoughts on it. No coaches in the whole conference are in the hot seat in the Big Ten this year. Is that true or false? Am I onto something, or am I onto something? But also, it's really not that crazy of a thought to have. Too. What's what's your take on on that? Um. So, if you had asked me like three months ago, is any coach going to be on the hot seat? I would have said, well, it would have to be pretty egregious because we are in a pandemic, mm-hmm. and all of these athletic departments are losing so much money. They're having layoffs, pay cuts, all of these things, right? Like it would be a terrible look to go pay like a $15 million buyout totally, just to change your football coach. 
Um, like I, I genuinely thought that people were going to have to rethink the way that they were spending, at least in the short term. Um, and you know, that, that like a Willie Taggart situation wouldn't happen unless, you know, and, and this was part of the Willie Taggart situation, but it was like, you know, I guess if you have donors cover the entire cost, but you still have to hire new staff, all of these other pieces. Right. So I would have said, no, I would have said, unless someone was like fired for cause. Um, and then, you know, we're watching what's happening in Texas, right? Like that seems to clearly be headed towards a coaching change, um, with a buyout with Tom Herman. And so, I I guess I would just not say like never say never, um, but I would think it would take an awful lot. And it has to be like, again, a place like Texas where like this is just unacceptable for them um, to to have to make that change. So I think like, you know, and I'll I'll put a number on it, but, you know, again, I reserve the right to change it, but like 95% of coaches, Mm -hmm. 98% of coaches, whatever the number is, should be fine. Like there should not be a change just because, you lost a couple more games than you wanted to, right? You were in the middle of a financial crisis. But, I mean, people act very logically in college sports. And, um, you know, if, if there's a lot of pressure in a place like Texas, um, you know, that can happen. But in the Big Ten, um, you know, I, I do think a lot of places, you know, are really either building towards something or have – like, they're not sure who your other option would be if you made a change, right? So – um, listen, and I understand the frustrations for Michigan fans and expect expectations for Jim Harbaugh to be winning Big Ten championships, all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think, you know, again, you think about the financial crisis, you think about who else could you get, and again, also then you'd have to go pay them money during a crisis. Um, I don't know. So, so I, I lean that way, but again, I would have said that for college football at large, and that's clearly not going to be the case in, in college football at large. For sure. And just last question, um, just before we ride into the weekend here, what's got your eye in, in week one, just on the Big Ten as a whole, just for the entire um, Friday, Saturday slate coming up? All right, let me pull it up. Um, gotcha. Sorry, putting you on the spot here. Yeah, <laughs> is it anything I'm from still the thinking about the other – well, listen, okay, Rutgers is, you know, Primetime game. from my, my hometown. Oh, um, nice. Okay. So let me, sorry, you can always, um, okay. Um, I mean, I, I think you've obviously got to start, like, you know, the Nebraska at Ohio State game, I think we all had a chuckle about that, right? Because, mm-hmm, you know, you had Nebraska begging to play, and, you know, you get to you get to open at Ohio State. Um, so that game should be interesting for, for a little bit. Um, I, I do think, um, you know, just from, you know, kind of measuring sticks or, or where to, to set expectations for a program, for the year, I, I do think that Penn State, Indiana will be interesting from that standpoint. Um, Iowa, Purdue, I mean, I think we're all thrilled to get Rondell Moore back. And Purdue's got all these mm. young playmakers. They're going to be really fun. But that type of game, right, it, you know, it w- it'll help figure out how, you know, the West is going to shake out. And Michigan, Minnesota, like, I I've obviously love the, the, the Brown Jug game. I love the Jug in Ann Arbor. And um, – it's, you know, when it, when it's not on the calendar every year, you feel it. And so I think, I think that one's also going to be good in terms of, again, like a measuring stick game to see, you know, Minnesota lost a good amount, but they, you know, obviously Rashad Bateman's back, Tanner Morgan's there and, and then Michigan. And it's like, okay, you know, if you're a Michigan team that that's going to contend for big 10 titles, you win games like this, even in Minnesota coming off like a generational season. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just, I, I think those three games to me, 
Um, and, you know, they're all going to be afternoon, you know, early evening. Like th- those are going to be ones where it's like, okay, this is going to help me frame how I view these teams for the rest of the season. And again, like what is realistic? And I also think we all need to kind of re- recalibrate, like what's a good record. Um, you know, in a conference only schedule, you're going to have more losses. So it's like, okay, what is, you know, what is success and, and kind of figuring that out, but it'll just be a good gauge. I think for teams that either surprised us last year, um, showed us that there's still a gap, you know, between them and Ohio state or whoever. Um, and, and we'll just kind of have a good sense of that right out of the gate. But yeah, you guys, your, your, your fan base will, will enjoy Rutgers with also a year zero coach, or I guess maybe also you could say mm-hmm. he was there before. Maybe he doesn't get one, but right, exactly. Rutgers is still in, they're, they're still in tough shape. So that, that's, that's not a bad opener for, for a brand new first year head coach in Mel Tucker either. I was going to say just one more quick question. This can be a yes or no answer. Um, should I be scared about Rutgers at all or, or no, no. no. Thank you. Okay. That's, that's, that's going to make me (laughs) fine tonight. Thank you. Appreciate it. (laughs) Well, Nicole, thank you so much for uh, joining me on this Friday morning. I I can't appreciate it enough. Um, That is Nicole Auerbach, the athletic catcher on big 10 network. And really, are are you doing anything else like Sirius XM or CNN once again in the future or where else can you catch you? (laughs) Yeah. um, I've, I've pop around on the Sirius channel, sometimes big 10 channel, um, sometimes ESPN radio. um, So just sort of all over the map probably catch me somewhere. Love it. Awesome. Well, Nicole, thank you so much. Hope you have a great weekend. Yep, absolutely. Anytime. I swear Matt is just a perfect 1,000 batting average on just the worst awkward <laughs> ways to end interviews. I love it so much. He says, I edited that. I cut out him saying goodbye again at the end. Uh have a good weekend, he says. Um, I think he recorded that like a midday Saturday too. So like it's it's a little bit more acceptable. Like have some spatial awareness, Matt. You know that that's going to get played on a Tuesday. There's no other way for me to end the show. Why are you saying have a good weekend? <sighs> I love him so much. I miss him so much. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Locked On Spartans. We will be back tomorrow with maybe Matt Sheehan, father of, of one. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm, I think I might call him and see if I can get him on the phone for like five minutes. Just like leave the room. You know, I know you're still in the hospital. But just leave the room for like five minutes. Baby sleeping. Your wife's sleeping. Give me five minutes. I'm going to try to squeeze it out of him. We'll see how it goes. But we are going to, uh, you know, start maybe reacting to a depth chart. Man, I just... I'm really hoping Michigan State releases a depth chart. But Mel Tucker and some players will be talking to the media on Tuesday. Uh, as you're listening to this, before you listen to this, after you listen to this, whatever thing that gets said there that is interesting, we will certainly talk about that. If there's a starting quarterback, if we get a starting offensive line, if like maybe Matt Allen's talking to the media, then we feel pretty confident he's going to be starting. Maybe they've got team captains. I don't know. Something interesting will come out of that. And so we will certainly talk about that on tomorrow's show, on Wednesday's show. So we'll hope you join us for that. Reminder to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. You can find Locked on Spartans wherever you get your podcast. Matt, take us home. Oh, yeah. Dang it.